Welcome to the family with Ralph Doe Basham, MD, as Hackmaster. Co-host, Catherine Brandt. And Andy Brandt-Bernard. And Kristen Burt will join us right after this with the family. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J-Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Well, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Hey folks, it's Brian Zepp, and spring is finally here. If you're like me, you're seriously ready for some wind therapy. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. The lovely and talented Kristen Burt is with us. What do you think of that intro? Uh, That was a nice one. That was a big intro, wasn't it? Yeah, I wasn't a communist this week. No insults. What do you know? The lovely and talented communist... Kristen Bird. There you go. There it is. There it is. It all worked on the end. You, I feel so much better. We were just reading a headline that apparently uh, Florida Governor DeSantis seeks to end Walt Disney World Special Tax District. Uh, I got to ask you a question, Kristen, because you're right there at Disneyland, of course, right down the block and all the rest of it. This the new inferior guy. Park, of yeah. Course. <laughs> this guy who's running Disney now has no idea what the hell he's doing, does he? No. Uh, Chapik, no. And I have several friends, and I think I've spoken a little bit about this, but I have friends that work on the park side. I have friends that work on the entertainment executive side. 
nobody likes him. Like nobody likes what he's doing to this company. He's terrible. And, and if you're listening to a lot of visitors, especially people who have annual passes and, and go frequently, they are finding that there is less bang for their buck. They're finding reasons not to go. They're finding reasons yep. not to renew their annual pass. And a, a lot of people, and it, this, I find this easy to believe in Orlando because it's a bigger park, but I'm so surprised it's happening here in California. A lot of people are opting to get a universal annual pass instead. Oh, yeah, I heard really? that. You know, that's, <clears throat> yep. it's interesting because we took an Uber back from Disney World, and the guy that was driving used to work for Disney. And he said, oh, my God, he said they are like the secret police with their employees they monitor your social media media accounts they pay attention to exactly what you're doing when you're doing it It, you can't say one word against the uh regime he said it's just it's it's unbelievably terrible to work for disney I mean, we had our house in burbank that's exactly what i heard from anybody who worked and said it was just a miserable place to work that it just it just when it's the, the studio there, the animation studio, they said, oh, it's just no one really liked it. I mean, they did it to get something, get a uh, get a credit on their resume, but man, it was not a fun place to be. It's unbelievable to me that a company that is that huge and that profitable, and they want to do all this woke business. If they want to get into politics, well, then they should be paying fair wages and doing all the stuff that they say that you know yeah. everybody should yeah, be doing. That's true. But it's not even like the woke stuff, too. It's even the, the smaller stuff, I think, on the guest side and charging so much oh, money. Yeah. It's $30 oh, to park at Disneyland. $30. Wow. What? A few years ago, I was spending $12. I was an annual pass holder. I, n- I didn't renew after all the prices went up. I thought, this is not worth it to me. Well, we, can, yeah, we were in the Magic Kingdom for a day, and the food in the Magic Kingdom is just so awful. It's dreadful. And it's $40 for a meal for a kid. Oof. To for go, a kid? To go into a, eat it all? Yeah, because, I mean, you want to go in and you want to get into an air-conditioned, sit-down place, you know, and kind of, like, relax and get away from the crowds and be out of the sun and all that stuff. It's like it's like $40, and you have to make a reservation four to six months in advance. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah. and it's just salty fun. crap food. It's just mm-hmm. the worst. Really Epcot had really has really great food, but the Magic <clears throat> yep. Kingdom. Ugh. I'm surprised they haven't opened another Disney park in like Texas or something like that. And they're busy opening them all over the world. Well, they all those all fail though. Didn't Euro Disney World wasn't no, that like a massive I failure? Think for that, no, originally no, I think it was, no, but now it right is right outside Paris. Yeah, no, that's that had to do it. Yeah. I'm going to visit Tokyo Disneyland next year. I have a friend uh, working there, and I'm going to go and visit. But I have no plans to visit the the Anaheim Park anytime soon. It's just not worth it to me. It's overcrowded. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's overpriced. And oftentimes I can get in for free in terms of admission because I know plenty of people who work there. But at the same time, it's, I don't want to sit in line all day. I don't want a thousand, you know, the genie pass and yep. the, the lightning lane, all these things you have to add on. It's not fun anymore. No. And it, uh, yeah, you have to add $16, I think, to add the genie plus per ticket. And then the lightning lane is something completely different. And if there is a lightning lane available, but you have to just keep refreshing your app and refreshing your app, and who the hell wants to do that when you're in the park? Uh, that's like a, that's like eleven dollars um, if they have an opening in a in a 
popular ride. Well, the re- the problem is is that when Disney per World person. opened, there were 120 million fewer people living in this country. Yes. Yep. So there's just there's not enough room for all these people to try to go there. So what they need to do is add more parks. Yeah, and the Florida one, it, you get Bra- Brazil, Central America, all kinds of people are coming from all over the world. Exactly. To go there's to just that too park. many people at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're increasing prices to reduce demand. Yeah, that's what they're doing. It still doesn't work because it's still 100% occupancy at all times. Yeah, it was busy. It's busy. It was busy, no doubt about it. I will get run over by strollers. (laughs) Oh, the best thing in the world is to have. There's another stroller on my foot. The best (laughs) thing in the world is to have a double stroller because people will get out of your way. Oh, my favorite, (laughs) my favorite thing to see at Disney World, which you see every ten seconds, is some kid who's like 27 years old sitting in the stroller. It's like. (laughs) Your kid is five feet tall. Why aren't they walking? But nope, they got to have that stroller. Well, that's mostly, I think, to carry. A lot of people bring in their own food. They have backpacks full of food. They uh, because they can't prevent you. Adeline. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, they can't prevent you from bringing in your own beverages and your food. You can't well, bring I mean, in alcohol, but you can you can bring in water and they you can't. Can? Yeah, they can't I didn't make know you, that. Yeah, well, you can bring water, water they can't anywhere. Stop you from drinking water. Right. I will tell you this. I worked for Disney. Well, I didn't work for Disney. I was partnered with Disney on the KQ Morning Show for 24 years. 24 of the happiest years I've ever worked in my life. Yeah, that was a great, great company back then. Really nice. Yeah. Bob, yeah, those free perks. Bob Iger was phenomenal. I mean, here's the chairman, chairman of the company. Hey, how, how are you doing in uh, Minneapolis, Tom? How's everything going? He actually gave a rat's ass, knew everybody, knew where they worked, knew what they did. He knew everything. I yeah, mean, a lot, everyone I've spoken to who worked under Bob Iger says they, they oh. miss him tremendously and that he really had a love for the company and yep. had a love for Walt Disney's true vision. He laughed one time because I don't even remember the guy's name, but he was a Harvard business graduate. So he came to town. Uh, he went to work for Disney. And the next time I saw Bob Iger, he asked me, well, how's that going? And I said, I got to tell you something about this new guy. He said, yeah. He said, uh, when I, uh, when I uh, first met him, he walked into the building at KQRS, and he comes over and whispers in my ear, Hey, Tom, uh, when you got a couple of minutes, just you and I uh, need to get together because I, I need to take you over the wall and bring you inside. And Iger started laughing. He thought that was hilarious. It's like, Keep, I'm taking you over the wall. Oh, are you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I hate those corporate a-holes that think they know all the great. Like, give me a break. Whatever. And now it's just money-grubbing a-holes. So there you go. Oh, breaking news. The white White House is not going to appeal the ruling about the masks. I didn't think so. I thought for sure they would. It would be a bad PR move, I think. Yep. There's no point. I mean, because it was going to end in a few weeks anyway. Are you going to really argue over two weeks? Three weeks. Well, let me put it this way, Kristen Burt. Uh, strike two happened. Strikes one and two happened today, and strike three would be uh, after what I've been through with with Disney World and um, you know all the other stuff that's been going on lately. Like, for an example, we went to Disney World nine days ago. Well, fifteen days ago. No, it would have been two weeks ago today, and we were there until the uh, what the tenth. Of April, is that right, Catherine? Yes. 
Okay, so we're there. So basically, nine days after we leave, uh, they open the park for all the hugging, and the the animals can come over, and you know Mickey and Minnie can give you a hug, and all the princes and princesses they can touch you. So our kids couldn't be touched; they wouldn't come near you two weeks ago. No. Nope. And now they're hugging up a storm. Oh, I remember when we went there, that was last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, all the mascots were, like, on the greens behind yeah, the that's ropes what they were, Yeah, that's what they were still doing. They were just, still. yeah, wave at you from a block away. Although this time we got to see, or uh, Fawnie is just madly in love with Frozen. She loves Elsa she loves and Frozen. Anna. Oh, yeah, she's still, that's been literally she still her entire them. life. Yeah, she still loves them. And um, they had... <clears throat> I don't know why we found out that they were in some place doing a personal appearance, and they got to get kind of close to them this yes, time. Yes. And but they were behind a little rope, and they had mm-hmm. you know so they could pose for pictures, so it sort of looked like they were close together, but they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't get autographs or and any or we any need of that refunds, stuff. Like a discount. Yeah, we need <laughs> I discount. know. Now, to, to continue with the story, Kristen Bird. So we leave Disney World, and now nine days later, they open it up and do whatever you want. Uh, we flew back home on Saturday. 48 hours later, they lifted the mask mandate. We had our masks on for six and a half, seven hours on Saturday. And now today, there's no mask mandate. So oh, got, no. Poor ah. you. How did you breathe? We got bo- burned on that one. So I'm assuming that the day I die, they'll announce like the next morning, they've come up with a cure for death. That'll be it. <laughs> I guarantee it. I am it. one of those that who will probably always wear a mask on a plane just because I get a cold every time I fly. Well, yeah, and you have every right to wear a mask. Until, until I taught everybody to wipe down their seat area yep. with a... I, I do both. Oh, that I, made you know all what? the I'm, difference. It's just that I'm a dummy. I touch my face, and so that's my own problem well after after flying and watching what people do in their seats yeah. it's like um yeah i'm gonna yes. wipe this down <laughs> wiping this area down oh that's too gross gross i'm wiping it down wipe i know people up. people would sit next to me and i'm busy wiping down my tray and anything that i might touch tray, anything seatbelt buckle the little the, the little ledge on the window or on the window yeah. shade everything yep. everything gets wiped down people to. would be like what what they're like, oh, that's a little extreme. One person said, that's a little extreme. I said, well, ever since I started doing this, I don't get sick on airplanes anymore. Yeah. He's like, do you, can I have one of those? <laughs> I used to get sick every time I flew. I know. Yeah, yeah. you did. Yeah, because people pick their nose and touch stuff. By the way, yes, Ralph and, and Kristen, I think, oh, and Andy, I don't think you know this either, but I've invented a new uh, kind of a game thing. Game oh, thing. you invented something since game. yesterday? I well, wait, wait a second. No, I lost my concentration because she goes, wait a minute, you're smart enough to invent something? That's basically what you implied well, by your that was tongue. your inner tape with, no, your, that was with your fragile... You implied that I'm a dimwit. <laughs> I heard it in your voice. Tom, like I said, uh, how many times do I have to say, you're a saint for living with this? This is, this is more than I can take. I didn't hear about this invention. No, I forgot what it was because you... <laughs> oh, no. You destroyed your creativity. You <laughs> destroyed my creativity because you know, I'm a moron. So exciting. I don't me. even know what it is. I know. So I don't anymore. <laughs> it was so brilliant that I forgot. Oh, one thing I, I do have a recommendation for everybody. That's what it is. I have a new game show that I do. I watch TV shows from all the way from 1951 all the way up to today. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and it's a new game that I play, and it started because I was watching a 1951 episode of Dragnet. Okay, you know Dragnet, yeah. don't you, Kristen? Dun, yep. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I'm watching Dragnet, and I go, "Who's that guy?" I don't know. He, he doesn't look familiar, but he's just something about him. It's kind of really weird. He's a 19 year old kid who's a hoodlum. They had to arrest him on Dragnet and haul him off to jail. They're bringing this 19-year-old in, and they, they bring it up. And then the next day, blah, blah, blah appeared in court and was sentenced to 10 years in San Quentin Federal Prison. <laughs> right? I look at the credits. It was Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> what? Wow. He was a 19-year-old kid. Now, last night, this one was even weirder. Because I'm watching this episode of Dragnet again. I, I watch a lot of different ones, like Alfred Hitchcock. I didn't. I, first of all, I didn't know that his daughter was an actor, Patricia Hitchcock. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I had no idea. She starred in an epi- several episodes in the uh, Alfred Hitchcock Hour. But um, I mean, the whole thing is just a wow. different. So, his daughter died last year at the age of 93. Patricia did? So Alfred oh, wow. must have been born quite a while ago. Oh, Alfred, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about the 1950s here. Yeah, he was, oh, yeah, he was born in 1899. Yeah, he was elderly <laughs> back then, I think. Well, not elderly, oh, but older. 1899? Really? Yep. Wow. He was born in the 19th century. When did he die? Uh, 1980, at the age of 80. So oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. He died in 1980? God, he's been dead for 41 years. He died years. six years before I was 42 born. 42 years. And he was not young when he did it, so that tells you something. No, it's very true. Okay, so another episode yesterday. And this guy, mm-hmm. there's a, another young guy, and he's a teenager, and he's doing this, that, and the other thing, and blah, 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 blah. So every time there's a teenager now, I check the credits for who the teenager was. I never knew this man was an actor. I had no idea. It makes sense that he was, but I had no idea he was. The kid was Aaron Spelling. Oh, wow. Aaron Spelling was an actor too. I had no idea he ever acted, but he was—he huh. was in an episode of Dragnet. Isn't that weird? That's completely weird. I just—I I only know him as an older studio executive, you oh, know, God, like creator yes. of all these TV shows. That's the only way I've ever known him. Looks like he acted for about four years. In the, in the 50, okay. 40s and 50s? Uh, no, just the mid-50s. Mid-50s. So it's 1955, I think this one was from. I have never heard of anything he has been in. Dragnet! Well, this doesn't have Dragnet, so I guess what? they're missing something. So, so what, do they, what do they have? Uh, Vicky, Three Young Texans, Alaska Seas, Black Widow, The Bamboo Prison... I don't know what the hell like any of these are. Family entertainment you got cooking. <laughs> you better there. write that down. Dad's going to want to watch well, every I one of them. I'm going to keep tracking down all these people that are stars uh, that were teenagers and all these things. Yeah, he he's. I was like, I was walking through the living room and he's like, Catherine, Catherine, you have to guess who this is. He spent six minutes trying to find the little. He, he wasn't even on there very long. Leonard Nemo. No, it was like a, a it was like minutes. a tiny little role. Oh wait, here we go. He oh, didn't yeah, look there's... anything like. What I think. No, of there's guess. another section for TV shows, and he was in uh, he was in several episodes of Dragnet. He was on I Love Lucy. Uh, Aaron Spelling was on I Love Lucy. Yes, he I was. Didn't... Isn't this weird, Kristen? <laughs> We're learning this after all these. He years. was in Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Really? Gunsmoke. How long has Aaron Spelling been gone? Um, two thousand six. So sixteen years. Oh wow. Yeah. One of my favorite. And he was 83, too. So. There you go. 
One of my favorite stories about the Spelling family, not about Aaron Spelling, but he was a very, very wealthy man at the end of his life. Really rich, rich guy. That house he had was, what, 90,000 square feet or something? Whoa. It was huge. 90,000? Yeah, it's up for sale right now for $165 million in case anyone is interested. Okay, mm. I'm thinking about it. I'll get back to you. Down payment. So 20% of that? Or, <laughs> no, I don't think I can make that. It's only $32 million. What the you hell? You know who is looking at it? Ben Affleck and J-Lo. Oh, there's a shock. Mm. But uh, Aaron Spelling, my favorite Aaron Spelling story, is actually Tori Spelling, his daughter, what was she in again? What did she star in? Why we know her? 90210. 90210, okay. That's right. Do you know in real life, and I'm not making this up, that it was well known she did it because she did it in public at a restaurant. She asked her father, she said, she would, he said, what's the matter with you? And she said, I'm just so frustrated. I can't put up with it anymore. Dad, all these helicopters and planes fly over our house all the time just so they can look down and see me sunbathing next to our pool. So what I'd like you to do, Dad, if you could, could you buy the air above our house up to about six miles? Well, actually, uh, you own that air. You do own it already, don't you? You do. You just don't have the right to fly things in it, but you do own that air. You do own it, and they, other people can fly things in it if they want to. Well, if they're uh, FAA certified or right, whatever. Right, right, exactly. Oh, by the way, I think you misspoke. You said 90210. You meant the last Sharknado. <laughs> yeah, that's what she meant. That the is last what she was famous for. Yes. That, yeah, that is her world famous. <laughs> but yeah. isn't it amazing that we didn't know all these years he was that he he acted for five years? You said Andy, but uh yeah, he did some acting. That's so weird. I never knew he was an actor. Well, he did mostly just like bit parts. I think yeah, he just did it for fun. Part. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. I want to be on Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock Presents. Yeah, true. That that's probably thing. true, but. Uh, is there anything new? I want to ask because I asked Tim Lammers this, Chris, and I want to ask you this as well. I watched the first episode, excuse me, the first season of Better Call Saul, and I thought it was really good, but I never watched it after that, and I don't know why. And now it's it's in its final season. What season eight or something? Seven, six, seven, eight, something like that. I have, I've had that happen with shows before, and I'm like, you know, it was good and it served its purpose, but I have no desire yeah. to continue on with the story. And, you know, and that's what a lot of shows have to worry about, yeah. especially where yep. there are oftentimes 12-month gaps between we, the time we see the next season. Sure. So it, that's why in some ways limited series are the way to go. I'm right. I'm almost done with The Dropout. Oh, yeah. I heard that's good. Theranos and, and Elizabeth Holmes, <laughs> and it's so good. I, I, I'll tell you, Amanda Seyfried is on her way to an Emmy. She's so good. Oh, I'm going to have to watch that. We started, yeah. I, I started um, the, the new season of Killing Eve with Alex, and we are just kind of lost with this one. This yeah, season is I, not doing it for us, I don't think. Without giving any spoilers, I heard the finale, series finale is not so satisfying. Either, uh, honor, yeah, we're know. just like, what is happening? Yeah. Well, I did something new yesterday. Lost. What's that? It wasn't TV related, but it was a show. Oh. Uh, we gave Hobbs a bath. Oh, dear God. Oh, my God. That was a show, I bet. He did not like it. You should have oh, no, filmed kidding. it. Oh, God. Kitties don't like baths. No, they don't. <laughs> he he needed one. He was, God, you thought he was shedding before? Yeah. It was literally like he'd lay on my lap, I'd get up, and it was like you could peel it off like a sheet. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah. So it was time. He needed a bath. Oh. But, oh, yeah, he was not happy about it. 
Is he peeing on your bed now because you did that? No, he doesn't well. really do that kind of thing. Now <laughs> <laughs> he got me sneezing over here just uh, thinking about just the cat Talking hair. about Hobbs just makes you sneeze. Just talking about cat hair makes me sneeze. Oh, That's great. Right. Poor Hobbsy. He's so elderly. How he's, old is he now? Uh, he's 16, I think, turning 17. He's turning 17. Oh, it's an but old kids, kitty. Some cats live to be 25, Some don't they? of them do, yeah. I don't think, I don't think he's going to... Make well, it, make it to 25. His only problem is that he can't keep his weight up. Yeah, he's a very scrawny He's little. always been super scrawny. He yeah. was, I think, nine pounds at his height, I think. At so his height? it's oh. at like his peak of weight. Yeah. yeah, so it's like he's never been exactly... Uh, no, he's not a bruiser. No. You know what's hilarious about this, Kristen and Ralph, is they're talking about... A cat that first lived with us yep. when we all lived together. Yes, That's Andy and Alex ago. went to a pet store and bought him. Went to a pet store and bought him. The pet store still exists, by the way. Okay. And I looked it up on a whim, yes, the, well, not yesterday, but the other day. When we all lived together, uh, this cat, Hobbs, would go over to, to, to Alex and look at her and just fawn all over her. And he would go over and sit on Andy's lap all the time. He thought it was wonderful. He'd go over and sit on Catherine's lap, and he'd be all excited. And then I'd come home, and he'd look at me like, what the hell do you? <laughs> what are you doing here? I love you. That's because you didn't have blankets on your lap. Yeah, you need a blanket. <laughs> I need a blanket. Yeah, he, he, he's the same way with Melissa. He won't sit on her lap unless she's got a blanket. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's he that loves all the about? blankets. Cats are desert animals. They like to be warm. He loves. He loves to be cats warm. Stick, cats love who they love, and like if they don't too. love you, they will let you know. Not happening. That's he would just honest guy look at me. And once in a while, we had this old fold-out couch, you know, the couches that used to fold out into a bed. Every time I talked to him, he'd crawl up inside it. Oh, the one in Florida. Wow. Yeah, the one in Florida. Yeah. He was a he, <laughs> he, he was a nervous, a very nervous cat. Yeah, I think I've told the story of how he missed a flight once because he <sighs> crawled inside the mechanism of a fold-out couch. Yeah. We had no, oh, no idea where he was. Well, that was the same couch, wasn't yep. it? Yep. No, same yep. Yep. That's what that used to be his hiding space until yep. Bella ruined it for him by finding him. <laughs> by finding the dog him. Found yeah. the cat. Cassie never ever did, but Bella. Well, that's because Cassie didn't want to no, find Cassie him. No, Cassie didn't. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Cassie true. knew Hobbs as a kitten when he would just run up to him and bat him in the face and run away. Yeah, he didn't yeah. like that. We got to take that's a break. Hilarious. Be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Right back in a couple of minutes more with Kristen Burt. Right after this. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home. List it on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? 
I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. Continuum is here, it's new, and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. There are no pills or surgeries. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole, nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They are upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation and find out more today. Go to their website, ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com, or call or text them at 952 952- 491-6527. That's Continuum, C-O-N-T-I-N-U-U-M, ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing, life beyond weight loss mode. Welcome back. Kristen Burr with us, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking Hollywood. Any good new movies coming out, Kristen, that we should know about? <laughs> I feel like <coughs> movies are dead. They are. <laughs> I and mean, That's why I'm at. The movies are, well, they're, first of all, too long. They, they are long. And, you know, over the weekend, uh, you know, just even taking a look at the box office, you know, it's like Sonic the Hedgehog 2, of course, a family yeah. movie over a holiday weekend. Of course, you know, that was number two. And then, you know, you have the, the Harry Potter prequel, which did terrible, fantastic beasts. And they oh. are really kind of in a situation of like, we're supposed to be doing two more movies, but nobody even wants to come to this third movie. Huh. So, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's a combination of things like a pandemic. Some people just don't want to go back to a movie theater. The expense of a movie theater for a family of four. You also have yeah. other situations where there's franchise fatigue. So... Uh, the movie's got to have to figure something out because all the rest of us are just subscribing to streaming networks and staying home. Or watching them on airplanes. Yes, that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. I watched House of Gucci, finally. Oh, that's long and not so interesting. Well, it was did a, you like it? Um, I think it was a good movie for an airplane. <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah. my yeah. that's my review. You're always so happy. You're like, I did not put down fifteen dollars for this movie. Thank oh, I, I I would not have liked it in a movie theater for sure. Really? Um, but in a on an airplane where I didn't have to like pay one hundred percent attention to it, and I could pause it once in a while, because it was two yeah. two hours thirty six minutes, I think. Yeah, that's really long for that story. Um, but I I I didn't even know it was Lady Gaga. Until after the movie was over, she did a good job. I thought she did a, yeah, a good job. Yeah, she was pretty good, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was pretty good. Al Pacino was the best he's been in anything in a long time. I think. Are you watching Hunters on um, Amazon? No. What's that? He's good. It's a, a he, he's. They just filmed season two this past summer, so uh, it's a show about the Nazis. Like oh really? Well, so that's so funny you bring that up because I have a friend and I won't identify him. He's a nice, a nice boy, nice Yiddish boy, 
And I brought that show up to him. He goes, is that that Jew deal? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? What is the matter with you? The fact that you're Jewish, you can say that. I can't, but you can. There you go. You're good to go. Well, um, I watched on the on the same flight where she was watching Gucci. I watched uh, uh, Nightmare Alley, which I th- Bradley Cooper's a damn good actor. He's great. We talked about this last week, and I said I, I think you would like it. And you're yeah. right. I watched it on the plane. I thought it was. I thought it was really. It's too long. It was two and a half hours long. Well, like so. you said, for an airplane, you need to eat up the time. I know, but Might as well watch those long, long movies. Like, move along. For oh place. yeah. When I fly to Europe, I'm always like, okay, what? How many movies can I watch to kill someone? Yeah. Fiddler oh, yeah. on the roof. <laughs> Bradley Cooper and the three women in it: Rooney Mara and who were the other two women in it? They were really good. Really good. There were, well, to tell you the truth, everybody in it was really good. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a good movie. I wish it would have been about an hour forty-five minutes, about forty-five minutes shorter. But you know, that's fine. Whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you mentioned franchise. You mentioned franchise fatigue. You know, are they looking for new franchises? Are they, are they like the Marvel or, stuff? Yeah. The Marvels. That's good. Well, I think- yeah, I mean, we know that Marvel is going to continue on and on and on, but those are really the only franchises that are doing extremely well oh, okay. yeah, and right. still have an audience that, that go to see them. Um, we are going to see, but I mean, we've got like a Mission Impossible not coming out this summer because it's delayed, but you know, coming out in 2023, you've got Top Gun coming back. There oh, are certain God. ones that I think people will show up for, but then there are other things that I sit there and I think, is there any original movie idea left? Right. Because the smaller movies are now not going to movie theaters. They're actually just showing up on streaming. Yeah. So any of those like independent, quirky rom-coms, even comedy films, they're all going to go to Hulu. Yeah, they're right to Netflix. Netflix. Yep. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what. We've had I don't know how many movie theaters close forever in in the Minneapolis-St. Paul market. Probably half of them. About half of them, yeah. They have all just started closing. There was a, what, a, like a 14-plex out in Maple Grove. Yeah. Closed it, now it's a, like a lumber warehouse. <laughs> Although the Jesus. independent one at 50th and France in Edina, yeah. um, that closed because of the pandemic. Of the pandemic and yeah. the city of Edina gave some, um, I think, Michelle Mann. It's Michelle Mann, yep. Yeah, yeah they gave her a ton of money to reopen it. I think she opened it. Remodeled it or something. Either this month or next month. We're going to go to the opening. Yeah, but that was always, you know, independent films. It yes. was never. Yes, right. And I don't know. I, are there independent films coming out that people are going to want to watch? There will always be independent films, that, but you know they're going to be. It's going to be harder for the independent film scene. They're going to have to hope that they get into a film festival like a Sundance or a South by Southwest in order to get those distribution um, channels. You know whether they wind up on streaming or whether they wind up in a theater. But you have to be in a theater at some point, um, even just for two weeks to you know be eligible for awards campaigns it's so frustrating like how the whole system works and you know it makes it harder for up-and-coming filmmakers i'm sure they'll retool that system yeah eventually. they're probably gonna redo the rules i mean it was designed they? before the internet even existed so you know they got to update it at some point yeah there's it's just it's been frustrating in that you have a generation that grew up without streaming and they are the ones fighting the technology in the system yep. oh that's dumb 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look at all the categories they have to give awards. I mean, my God. <laughs> There's a lot of categories now. Yeah, the guy that held up a sign on uh-huh. the street, he gets a category. <laughs> it's like, category, I think they could make you know. some more categories Best that are Best use of the color purple in the documentary <laughs> exactly. about medieval friends. That's right. Yeah. Best, right. best boy. Yeah. The best, best boy. Hmm? The mm. keyest key grip. <laughs> there you the go. keyest key yeah. grip. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think they could expand some categories for streaming. <clears throat> so... Kristen, what are they going to do if people aren't going to the movies other than these Marvel ones, which I wouldn't watch with your eyes, but I have never liked those oh, well, movies, even when I was a kid. What they're doing here in Los Angeles is making it an experience, and that is making sure that it's more luxurious than just a random movie theater. Yeah. And yeah. They, I mean, they've been popping up for years, but I'm seeing a lot of the regular movie theaters now being turned into those like hey you get a recliner and a blanket and you get all of this great food oh, oh yeah that's what they're like oh, here too oh gee. most of them oh. are like that <laughs> oh, 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 oh blanket movie theater blanket people are bringing in their own blanket the theater gentlemen you should be offering your jacket um, <laughs> but no the, the truth is is that it's a night out it's you have to make it a special night out instead of like hey exactly, yeah let's just go and see you know the spider-man let's actually make it a really fun night out and they can do themes they can do themed food like there's a lot of opportunities but you're going to be paying a lot more you're not going mm-hmm. to be paying 15 dollars for a ticket well that's kind of how movie theaters were probably in, in like the 70s and 80s it was like you know this big huge movies coming out a hollywood blockbuster so we're going to make a day of it we're going to spend a bunch of money but it's going to be like we're going to you know a twister came out, so it, this is like the day that revolves around the movie Twister. We're going to go see it, and we're going to talk about it, that sort of thing. But they kind of shifted in the 90s and 2000s into just being something to do because you're bored. It's like, let's just go see whatever the hell, who cares. Um, and I don't think that was a sustainable business model, just having it be like the boredom oh, cure. Yeah, and uh, Tom, you used to go see every piece of crap. Yeah, I exactly. used to see, used to see every movie. You have to I was remember like, something, though. That I grew up in the ghetto, and when you went to a movie in the ghetto, it wasn't just the movie, it was the audience mm-hmm. that talked more than the movie did. I know, but I was just it was was phenomenal. used to go to everything. Yes, you did. Yeah. I, well, back in the day, do you remember the Skyway Theater here, Kristen? Was that open when you lived here? Downtown uh, Minneapolis? Yes, I think so. What, did it have three screens, maybe? Skyway. The Skyway I, Theater downtown, it, yes. It turned into the... the Superfly Bar or some damn thing. Sounds great. But what I loved about... That theater, it was called the Skyway Theater, downtown Minneapolis, so right on right on Hennepin Avenue between 7th and 8th. You would go to that theater, and the winos would sneak in the back door so they'd have some place warm to sit in the winter. Mm. So they would sneak, as one of them would get in, and then he'd go open the door for all of them, so they'd all come in. And the greatest part of that, remember the movie Scarecrow with uh, Gene Hackman and Al Pacino? Mm-hmm. Remember that movie? Well, I can't remember, is it Al Pacino that goes catatonic, isn't it? Or is it Gene yes. Hackman? It's Pacino I goes catatonic, right? Yeah. I thought it was Pacino. It was Pacino. You're absolutely right. So he goes catatonic, and Gene Hackman's trying to, you know, trying to take care of him, all the rest of it, and he's, he's back, you know, just weird. And one of the winos in the back of the theater kept going, and he did this for like 10 minutes. He's dead, you stupid son of a bitch. What's I think mean, he's just yelling at the screen about it. and Al Pacino's not dead, of course. He's catatonic, but this wino doesn't understand that he's not dead. And he was very he was just pissed off at the whole crowd. What are you watching this for? He's a dead man. Like, oh my god. See that was those were the days. 
That's all I have to say. Going to movie theaters back in those days when people would talk to the screen. I'd see a lot of people hate that. I love it. But I mean, it's got to yeah, be. It's got to be. I don't have plans anymore. I don't. When the weekend rolls around, I don't think about going to the movie theater anymore. Yeah. To be honest. No. I understand. That. We have a 4K I mean, TV I mean, at home. Things since the. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, California, we've got you know year-round weather, but I do spend more time now at the beach or going hiking than I used to before yeah. the pandemic. Well, and the movies are just not that good anymore. There are some movies that are good. But I really don't I, care about anything coming out. I'll see Sonic 2 eventually, but I probably won't go to a theater for it. Maybe. Just, what happened? Why aren't movies as good as they used to be, Kristen? That they're just too long? Is that one of it? One of the reasons? I personally think that they're too long. And I hear from a lot of people that they find the same thing. It's too long. Uh, no one wants to sit there for three hours, but then you have yeah. directors that are yep. creating these vanity projects and they're like, it has to be as long as possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always look at a Marvel film and I'm like, there's 20 minutes of that major action sequence where they spend all of their money on explosions and everything else. I'm like, yep. half of that could have been cut out. Yep. And we could have been out of here sooner. <laughs> Let's get and, out of here. Yes, there you go. Yeah, and it's super frustrating, but... Um, that audience, you know, gets catered to because they always buy the tickets and they go see the movies more than once. So I understand that. But at the same time, studio executives are going, great, people are coming back for reboots or reimaginings or franchises. So that's what we're going to spend the money on because it's so expensive to release a film. Otherwise, it just gets thrown onto streaming. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, yeah, the streaming overhead is basically nothing. You don't have to pay anything to get on that. You just plop it on there and there you go. Free money. And there it is. Yep. God, isn't that amazing? Well, it's amazing how fast it shifted, too. Yes. Oh, yep. God. As soon as Netflix remember, started like, streaming, that was basically it. Well, I, I think to me, too, is remembering when I was using Netflix to get my DVDs. Yep. And I was traveling a lot for work. And so what I would do is I would make sure that a bunch of DVDs arrived before my trip. Oh, sure. I would finish some. You know, usually in the middle of my trip, dump it in a mailbox so that by the time I got home, my next set of DVDs had arrived. And now it's all on my laptop anyway. I don't have to worry about right, like, those right. envelopes. Yeah. No, I understand that completely. I just, I see. I am a huge fan, as Catherine just pointed out, of going to movies. I, used to, I loved when I was a kid going to the Broadway and the Empress and the Paradise Theater in my neighborhood, and it was just an experience. Just to get the popcorn and walk in that dark theater. But I just loved it. I still love it to this day, but the movies suck. Yeah. They're just not good. It's still fun when we bring the grandkids to some animated. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I agree with that. And and they're in the and they're in the big recliner and they've got their little popcorn and their little <laughs> drink and their little and I oh, mean they yeah. get so excited they, they just do, can't yeah. even stand it. It's that's still fun. But well, yeah. I think a big part of it is I don't really mind CGI in movies that much. It doesn't bother me unless it's like horrible. Like, uh, what was cheap, the one with the cheap rock? CGI. Cheap CGI. Cheap yeah. CGI. The rock was like a scorpion man or something in The Mummy, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's okay. like a famously bad piece of CGI. But <clears throat> I think a lot of the problem is that back before the CGI era, when a director wanted to make something spectacular, they kind of had to like go and craft it and create it. Like uh, I don't know, like Little Shop of Horrors is a pretty famous example of good practical effects. You had to actually make these things. And like Alien, you had to make the alien in real life. Now you just hire someone to make a three D model of the alien and have it you know tween around the screen. It doesn't really feel 
I think like the directors don't really feel the same kind of yeah, connection to their movie because they're not going and seeing like you, it's not something that you can physically touch. It's not like oh, there's the alien. You've made it real. It's okay. Here's this you know alien JPEG that I'm going to put into my movie. So you know it feels cheap. Who cares? Let's, yeah, just, so let's just make this movie. They're making cartoons. Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty much the deal. It's like I don't really actually like practical effects that much because I think they f- look kind of cheesy. But I, I'll, it, it's also very important for a lot of people to make things physical. And the directors are part of that, too. You know, they have to feel like their movie is a real thing rather than just something that they're hiring people to cobble together while they wait and, you know, basically tell the actor how to deliver their lines every so often. Yeah, we were watching a show yesterday, and one of the, the points of the, of the show was that there were people that had one blue eye and one brown eye. Right. And you know, with H, with your with your fabulous, you know, projectors and all the stuff that you've got now in televisions, you could see, you the, see contact the contact lens yeah, on his yeah, on his yeah. brown oh, eye. It's like, could, oh, it yeah. just ruins it when you can oh, watch yeah, watch <laughs> the uh, the first three Star Wars movies on a four K TV. Oh, I'm sure it, it's cheesy as hell. Yeah, you yeah. can you, you could probably see the zipper on the back of half the aliens. <laughs> Really, really I know. Bad Back then, it was like death. it was like so great yeah. to see it though, yeah, when well, it was new. Somebody that when Ashley was on uh, Young and the Restless, you know, across the, across the hall was uh, The Price Is Right. Oh yeah. And they had to read. Well, even Young and the Restless, they had to redo sets just so they wouldn't look nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Sets are Shipped another very and, important thing because, yeah. like, when there's an actual physical set, you know, stepping onto that set will transport the actors and the director into the world of the movie. But now most of the sets, like oh god, if I'm you on a green screen, Fe- okay. Mad Max Fury Road. If you look at they, they released pre CGI and post CGI shots. They're literally just driving around a flat desert. All that crap in the background that you see, it's not real. So to the actors, they're just driving around a flatland. It's like you know, what is, what are we even doing here? Whereas back before that. They actually would have to put these. They'd have to either go to these locations to find, like in the Lord of the Rings, they went to New Zealand because that's like that's it right. looks like you know the Hobbit Shire, that kind of thing. Or they'd have to build them. And either way, it's just uh, I don't know. I think it matters a whole lot to have real sets. That's a big part of it. But they don't yeah. really do sets yeah. anymore. No, that's true. No, Kristen, I got to ask you that you've heard about this because I was talking to a friend of mine. Couple of days ago, and you know, not important where he lives or whatever. But he said, "Are you still going to plays?" And I said, "I haven't been to one recently, but I love going to plays. It all depends on who wrote them and all that." But he said he attended a play a couple of weeks ago, and he's a huge fan of the author of the play, the big writer. He said that they've edited out what they found to be offensive material. Well, I'm sure they did. Well, plays They're, are like as Bad as they've ever exactly horrendous. They edited out parts of a brilliantly written play because I, they found some of the lines to be offensive. I know I haven't seen a good play in a long time. Oh, or, or they changed the original play. Mm-hmm. Didn't we go see Painter Wagon? Oh, yeah, oh God, they, was that and, dreadful? And, and, they, and we went to see it, and they had they changed the plot. They did, yep. and they eliminated they the did. key point of the plot, and that was. <laughs> And, and that key point of the plot was a turnabout fair play of subjugation of women. It was, it was, so it was bizarre. They turned into some political. I said, this is not it was right. terrible. It was awful. 
Why, why are they allowed to do that, Chris? Because, I mean, if you wrote it, the family, i got to believe, is not real happy about you rewriting their great-grandfather or great-grandfather. No, as long as you pay play. them enough, they don't care. Well, I suppose that's it. As long as you give them enough money, well, they're fine. Because everybody wants to put their own mark well, on something. That, too. I don't understand. Like, I understand that, like, things have been written with offensive material, offensive language, things like that in mm-hmm. years past. But I, to me, if I were running a theater... If you decide to do the play, it's an opportunity to do talkbacks with the cast, talkbacks yeah. with historians, yeah, that's right. school programs to teach kids like, like look at the shift, look at the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, this is how language has like. There's so many different lessons in there besides how history has evolved, how language has evolved. Um, you know, how we look at things has evolved. I just think that there's a lot there. It's the same thing to me with like banning books. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's silly to me to be banning a book because especially one that's historic and has been taught over the years like teach the lesson around it without using the offensive language teach the people why it's offensive teach i don't know it just it drives me nuts well people might not know this but saint paul's own you know one of the greatest writers of all time he dropped the big n in his books constantly I don't know if you've ever read uh, any of his books, but my God, he he dropped the big N in there. But he wrote those books, what, 100-some years ago? When that language was different. When it was different, He used different words. I mean, besides just that, he used different words. It was a different language. Language changes. It's fluid. Yeah, read Shakespeare. What the hell is he talking about? I mean, (laughs) really. Exactly right. If you really study the language of the time, Shakespeare put all sorts of filthy crap in his books. He did. Yeah, he did. He had these puns on profanity that you wouldn't pick up on unless you knew how things used to rhyme back then, how they used to say stuff. It was, yeah, big fan of, yeah, like poop jokes and stuff. (laughs) But people are like, oh, Shakespeare, it's high class. It's classy as you get. No. No, it's not. Not really that classy. Yeah, and he was always poking fun at royalty and the upper crust and all that kind of stuff. But he just, nobody knew what he was talking about. (laughs) Dad's point made me think... Uh, we have time for one more thing, I think, um, of a, it was like a few months ago, I think, a pretty famous case of, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, hypocrisy, I guess, on Twitter. Some author was, like, in trouble for, I think, using the N-word somewhere or something, and of course, all the other, uh, little authors had to jump on him so that they could be part of the mob. And there was this one guy who was like, oh, I can't believe you would ever use that word for any reason. As a white person, you should know better. The thing is, it's pretty easy now that we have the Internet to just Google the name of books mm-hmm. and search for keywords. For example, the N-word. Mm-hmm. So this author who was just aghast that anyone would use the N-word, someone would just type in the name of his books along with the N-word and find 20, 30 results or so. Oh, jeez. <laughs> But he uh, didn't count on anyone remembering that. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, these were books the that were probably just... does not forget. <laughs> no. But it's trivial to find is the thing that people don't understand. Keyword matches like that. If you've ever used that word in social media or in a book or something like that, you can find it forever. So don't pretend to be some moral paragon who always knew better than the rest of the... Uh, racist white people when you yourself did the exact same thing and you're just hoping well, that no one notices. I do remember back in the day uh, when I first started in radio and all the way up till about 1990, I would guess, 
that if the story had the big N in it, the news reporter read the word because it was in the story. Right. And then after after a while, they said, you just can't do that anymore. I said, but that's what the story's about. Well, you can't use that word. Say, I, I'm not using the word. I'm reading a story. Nope, can't do it. Yeah, and I Could just you have just had Philip read that one word? <laughs> yeah, Philip. Is it okay if he says it? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. No. All right, Kristen, another another barn burner of a day with you, sister. <laughs> Burning those barns. Yeah. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Yes. Thank, Thank you, very you so much. much. That is going to do it. We will talk to you tomorrow with the family.